glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada, Namaha, Vishnu Padaya, Krishna Prasthaya, Bhutale, Sri Mati Bhakti, Vedanta Swami, Niti Namane. Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pachani Nivasesa Sundavadi Paskatyade Satarana. Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yuta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavamsha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvoitam Sadvadutam Parijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitamsha Anchakapu Chubishaki Vasanavyevata Pachitanam Pavanavya Vaishnavya So it's August 11th, 2018 in Malaga, Spain, and we're going to be looking at the first verse of the Shikshastika that was written by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, of course, only wrote eight verses, that's not very much. Uh, but these verses are, are very deep, and they contain uh, the whole understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnava Siddhanta in terms of Sambandha Abhijaya and Prayojana. All right, first we're going to look at what is perfection. So we're referencing here the Bhagavad Gita 6th chapter where Krishna explains very nicely what is perfection. He says, perfection means to see the self by the pure mind. So all of us have spiritually a mind. Our material mind is a machine. And our material mind is simply reflecting the modes of nature. But our spiritual mind, our purified It's not working? So, we're looking at the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita to understand what is perfection. Here Krishna says, perfection is to see the real self by the pure mind. So, the mind that we associate with now as conditioned souls is reflecting the modes of nature. However, in our spiritual form, we have a pure mind. And just like in material life, we have some idea of ourself by using our mind. But perfection is when our mind is purified, when our mind is spiritual, and it can understand who I really am. That I am not this body, that I am a servant of Krishna. Then they also hear by Oh. Okay. All right. Krishna also says that perfection is to relish and rejoice in the self. So when we see the self by the pure mind, the self that we see is part of God. It has most of the qualities of God. Now, my guess is that the microphone there is probably on your computer. What? The self that we see with the pure mind is wonderful. It's part of God. It has most of the qualities of God. Uh, our real self 
is full of happiness, our real self is beautiful, is powerful, is kind, is a genius. It's wonderful, you know. In this world, what we think of as ourself, our body is not that wonderful. Uh, our material personality is not always wonderful. But our real self is only wonderful. So when we are able to see our real self, we relish that self, we enjoy that self. The words are things like Atmarama, to take pleasure in the self, or Atmaruchi, to have great taste for the self, Atmarati, to love the self, so that is perfection. People are trying to love themselves on a material level. There's a lot of talk nowadays, you know, you should love yourself, right? But if you have the wrong self, a wrong conception of self, it's a little difficult. Krishna also says perfection is to be situated in boundless transcendental happiness realized through transcendental senses. So just like we have a spiritual mind, we also have spiritual senses. Prabhupada gives the example, just like we're wearing a shirt because we have an arm. So the shirt fits over the arm. In the same way, our arm, our flesh arm, is fitting over a spiritual arm. That we have, a, we have spiritual senses. You may be aware that sometimes people have out-of-body experiences. You're aware of this? Yes? Sometimes people die on the operating table, the surgery, and they float above their body. And they say as soon as their subtle body, their astral body, is out of the gross body, they can see 360 degrees. Like right now, my eyes, I can see just like this, right? I have some peripheral vision, but I can't see behind me. So in the subtle body, the senses are more unrestrained. But then beyond the subtle senses, beyond the subtle senses, we have spiritual senses. And these transcendental spiritual senses are capable of unlimited happiness. My gross senses can enjoy... Then maybe you sit here. Why don't you come sit here? There's a, there's a fan and a window. You know, like, before they used to translate, not at the same time, that make it makes it makes the class three times literally three times as long so Krishna says perfection is when we're getting unlimited enjoyment through spiritual senses which are capable of enjoying unlimitedly he also says perfection is to always be in truth to never be separate from truth so generally in this world, we understand something true and then we forget it, isn't it? We like get the truth and then we lose it, we forget it. We get little glimpses of truth. So perfection is when we are always feeling truth. We are always seeing Krishna. 
Premanjana Charita Bhakti Vilochane, the Santa Sadaiva Ridayeshu Vilokayanti, Yagshayana Sundara Vachincha Vinaswarupa. The further it is away from you, the less they're going to hear you, my dear. It's not going to work. And then you have to talk loudly and then you're disturbing people. So. so this means being able to see Krishna in the sunshine, in the wind, in our ability. Uh, in the flower, the scent of the flowers, to always be in truth. And Krishna says also, perfection means feeling one has gotten the best thing. I've gotten the best thing, I can't get anything better. Right? In this world, even if we get a nice thing, we're always aware that there could be something better, isn't it? Right? You get a nice house, but somebody has a nicer house. You have a nice wife, but somebody has a nicer wife. You know, it's always like that. You have a beautiful clothing, someone else has a more attractive clothing. You have a lot of money, somebody has more money. But perfection is where you feel, I have the best thing, and there's no way I can have anything better. And never being shaken, even in the midst of the greatest difficulty. So, generally in life, when there's difficulty, okay, I can keep it together, I can remember philosophy, all right, all right. Then the difficulty gets greater, all right, I can still do it, I'm keeping my life together, I'm keeping my mind together. Then the difficulty gets greater. All right, I'm keeping it together. And then the difficulty gets really great and we don't keep it together anymore. We fall apart, right? So real perfection is when we never fall apart. When we never get shaken by any of the external difficulties in this world. And of course, the supreme perfection is attained by having a relationship of love with the Lord. This perfection is not attained simply in some impersonal way, just by realizing I'm a soul, I'm not this body, I don't identify with the material thoughts and emotions, but by having a positive identification with Krishna. It's a question of having something positive. So how are we going to achieve this perfection? So Lord Chaitanya is telling us that chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, whether in Japa or in Kirtan, is the main way, especially at the present time, to achieve this perfection. So we're going to go step by step through Lord Chaitanya's first verse of the Shikshastika to understand how the chanting of the Maha Mantra will give us perfection. First he says it cleans the mirror of the mind. So you remember perfection is to see the self by the pure mind. So right now our mind is dirty. Our mind is covered with the modes of material nature. Bless you. 
you may know that there's a lot of scientific research which shows that it's not that the way we understand things is that we perceive with our senses and then our mind interprets what we perceive. That's kind of what they taught us when we were children, but it's not true. The truth is that we already have some belief in our mind about the way things are, and according to that pre-existing belief, we interpret what we see and what we hear. Right? And therefore we find three people can have the same experience and have a very different story about that experience. I'm sure we find this in our family relationship. Right? Somebody will say, that's what happened. No, that's what happened. No, I was there. And that's what, I was also there. And that's what happened. Or you said this. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I said that something else. But that's what you meant. I know that's what you meant. So our mind is clouded. And chanting the Hare Krishna mantra cleans the mind so that we can actually see the pure self. Now, how does chanting the Hare Krishna mantra do this? When we are chanting Hare Krishna, we are absorbed in Hare, the energy of the Lord, the pleasure energy of the Lord, and we are absorbed in Krishna and Rama, the Lord Himself. When we have that absorption, it acts like a light, acts like the sun, that makes everything clear. We can therefore perceive things in the proper perspective. We're no longer perceiving things through the modes of material nature. It's like the sunshine that dissipates the fog. And we all have this experience by chanting. All of a sudden we say, Oh, it's like that. Yes, everybody's had this experience? Oh, now I understand what's going on. One gets a clear vision. So the mind is reflecting reality to the soul. And this clearing of the fog allows us to see reality clearly. You can think of it also like in an automobile, when there's fog on the inside of the glass and you can't see clearly, and you turn on the fan or the air conditioning and it's blowing air, right? On the window and it clears it so you can see. So we can do that with, with either heat or cold and the fan, isn't it? Yes? So we think about being in touch with Krishna. It's kind of like this heat that just dissipates the fog and we can understand things clearly. And this effect is one of the first things that one experiences when one starts chanting Hare Krishna. One starts understanding, oh, this is actually my motives. That's actually her motive. That's actually his motive. This is the way things are really working. It puts out the fire of material life. So the fire of material life is these desires that I have to get more and better and more and better and different and more and better and different and more and better and then I will be happy. I have to get a better house and a better car and a different car and a different partner 
and a better haircut and something. I have to improve, improve, better, better, and at some point, finally, I will be satisfied. Somehow, I'm going to become satisfied in the future, isn't it? And this constant feeling of dissatisfaction. So how does chanting the holy name put out this fire? Just like Krishna swallowed two forest fires. It puts out the fire by bringing us actual satisfaction. Now there's two ways to feel satisfied. One is if you're very foolish. A very foolish person may think, yes, I have a job, I make some money, I have my wife, my husband, I have my cat, my dog, my television set, you know, my uh, potato chips and ketchup, and so I'm happy. That's like the happiness of an animal. The happiness of an animal is, you know, I have my little burrow, I have my little baby animals, I have some little grass to eat, so I'm happy. Uh, that's not real happiness in the sense of being expansive joy. It's not a kind of expansive peace and expansive joy. It's just a very narrow vision of what is possible. It's like saying, well, that's the best there is. Uh, some little comfort for the body, you know, some roof over my head. So there's that kind of satisfaction. But then there's the satisfaction internally, where you really feel that all of your desires are fulfilled. The satisfaction of the fool is they said, well, I'm just going to limit my desires to something so simple that I can easily get it. But the soul is not actually satisfied. And you see these people who are, say they are very satisfied like that, uh, they're often taking some sort of intoxicant, they often actually get angry very easily, isn't it? Huh? They're not really very peaceful. But real satisfaction is internal, where you feel, I have everything I can possibly want unlimitedly that keeps getting better and better. When one feels like that, the fire of material life is simply extinguished. This was the experience of Dhruva Maharaj, who says, Now, my Lord, that I have seen you, I feel like I have a diamond. And if I have a diamond, why would I want broken pieces of glass? So the fool says, Okay, I will be satisfied with the broken pieces of glass. That's the foolish kind of satisfaction. But real satisfaction is, sure, I have a diamond. Why do I have to get better and better pieces of glass? Also, Lord Chaitanya says that the Hare Krishna mantra spreads moonshine on the white lotus of good fortune. So there are most of the time, lotuses grow only in the day and they close at night. Uh, but there are certain kinds of water lilies that open at night for the moon and close during the day. So here, Lord Chaitanya is comparing the Maha Mantra to this white lotus of good fortune. 
There are certain lotuses or water lilies that open during the day in the sun and others that open at night in the moonshine. So here Lord Chaitanya is saying, our good fortune is like a white lily. Everybody wants to be fortunate, yes? Everybody wants to be fortunate? Anybody want to be unfortunate? So what do we mean by fortune? We have, of course, the goddess of fortune. Yes? Who's the goddess of fortune? Lakshmi, Radharani, Sita Devi, and so forth. So what are the different ways to be fortunate? Do you all know what are the six ways of being fortunate? Anybody know? The six ways to be fortunate. Okay. One of them is Aishvarya. Aishvarya is connected to the Sanskrit word Ishwara, and it means having power and control. It can mean being a leader and having control over other people, but it can also just mean having control over yourself, having autonomy. All of us want a sense of control over ourselves. We want a sense of control over our life. Even a two-year-old child doesn't like other people telling him or her what to do, right? If any of you are have children, you know as soon as they are even two years old, I want to do it my way. Uh, right? uh, so that is Aishvarya. But Aishvarya can also mean to a great, uh, great power. Someone who has, who has power of leadership over others. Then there's the fortune of Virya. Virya means strength. So it means mental strength, physical strength, sexual strength. It means health. Health and vitality, even the word virya is very much like the word vital or vitality or vive, life. To have a sense of, of life. Right? And then another way of fortune is shri. Shri means beauty, splendor, effulgence. It also can mean a kind of leadership, but like a charismatic leadership kind of like elegance and royalty. Huh? So to be surrounded by beauty in the, in the arts, in music, and elegance and splendor. Then there is prosperity of gyan. Prosperity of gyan means knowledge and wisdom. You know a lot of things and you can analyze them. You know how to apply them. You have some realization of them. Then we have the prosperity of vairagya. Vairagya is a very interesting kind of prosperity. It is the prosperity of detachment. You know, if you say something nice about me or you criticize me, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Being unaffected. If I have a lot of money, I have a little money, I can still be happy. This is the richness of simplicity, being able to be happy with simplicity, and also freedom, uh, to be able to go where you want to go, do what you want to do. Then there's the prosperity, the fortune of yasha. Yasha means when people say nice things about you because you're actually a good person. Uh, 
when you have a community, when you have people who like you, when you can feel good about yourself because you've actually done good things, and you're in some community of appreciation. So these are the six ways to be fortunate, the six kinds of wealth that are all under the control of the goddess of fortune. And we would all like this fortune to open for us. Yes? Ah, we would like to be open in all of these six ways. Of course, some of us may like some of these ways more than others. Some of us may be more attached to Sri, or some of us more attached to Vairagya, or some of us more attached to Virya. But this good fortune is found mostly in uh, the internal energy of the Lord, Lakshmi, Radharani, Sita, and so forth. And in fact, when one tries to enjoy these ways of being fortunate without Krishna, who does one get? One doesn't get Lakshmi and Radha anymore. Who does one get? Huh? Maya, yes, one gets Durga. If we try to steal... She couldn't hear you. What is Durga? Oh, he said Maya, illusion. Uh, if we try to enjoy this good fortune without the Supreme, it actually only brings us suffering. Right? If you think about all of these, people who try to enjoy power, who try to enjoy money, and beauty, and freedom, and autonomy, and wisdom, without the spiritual, those very things end up causing them to suffer. And we see in this world people who have a lot of wealth and opulence and fame and beauty and knowledge and power, but they're not spiritual. Many times, they're the most unhappy people. Isn't that strange? Every day you can read in the newspaper about some person who has material fortune and is very unhappy. Isn't that true? Yes. So this white lotus of good fortune is the internal spiritual energy. This internal spiritual energy can only open for us in the presence of her beloved. Even in this world, if a man and woman are very much in love with each other, they'll only be happy when they're together, isn't it? When they're separated, they're not so happy. Isn't that a fact? Right? You think of some newly married couple, and they're just like, ah, ah. If even they can't see each other for five minutes, then they become unhappy. So Krishna and his internal energy are like this. When we say Hare Krishna, Hare Rama, we are bringing together Krishna with his internal energy. And therefore this internal energy, this goddess of fortune, as soon as she is in the presence of Krishna and Rama, she blossoms. Krishna is the moon. Uh, Krishna is often compared to the moon. He appears on this earth in the dynasty of the moon. And the internal energy is this lotus of good fortune. When the Krishna moon shines on this lotus of good fortune, it opens. 
when we are the one to bring together the Krishna moon with the lotus of good fortune by saying Hare Krishna or Hare Rama, then we experience all these six types of fortune in our life on the spiritual level. Lord Chaitanya says this Hare Krishna mantra is the life or the bride of all transcendental wisdom. Yes. So wisdom has its bride, its consort, which brings it to life. Uh, just like we say, a house becomes a home only when there's a woman in it. Yes, you heard this? A man who's living alone, he doesn't make his house into a home. As soon as he brings his wife into the home, then she's going to decorate it, right? Isn't it? Yes? Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says this. He said, a house is only a home when you have a wife. When you have a woman. So the woman that brings life to wisdom is the Hare Krishna mantra. Otherwise, wisdom by itself, knowledge by itself, is dry. But with the Supreme Lord and His consort in the Hare Krishna mantra, wisdom becomes full of love. Wisdom with love becomes full of life. He says the Hare Krishna mantra increases the ocean of spiritual bliss. Anandam Bhutivarunam. So we are right here by the sea, and the sea is limited. It has its limits. We were walking this morning by the sea. It has a place that it stops. As we were saying before, all material happiness is limited. When we are in touch with the unlimited, we can experience also unlimited happiness. How is that possible? We know that we, the soul, the jiva, are very small. How can I, the soul, experience unlimited happiness? But Krishna is unlimited. Prabhupada says, when I enjoy through Krishna, I will also experience the unlimited happiness that Krishna experiences. And Lord Chaitanya says, at every moment you'll be able to taste nectar. You'll be able to have happiness at every moment. Not just sometimes, not just a little bit, but every moment. Oh, there's Krishna, there's Krishna, there's Krishna, there's Krishna, there's Krishna, there's Krishna. Actually, the art of work, the art of doing work as yoga, is that one connects now and now and now and now. In material life, generally, we have a little bit of happiness now, maybe, and we're hoping for some future happiness. But by connecting with the Lord and His pleasure energy, we can be connecting now and now and now. It is like a cooling, refreshing bath 
for one's real self. Oops, sorry. Uh, just like this morning, we went to the sea. Mahalashmi took a bath in the sea, and she was saying how wonderful and refreshing it was. So we're having very hot days, and people like to go to the sea. Yes, very popular. And you feel some relief. So chanting Hare Krishna, when we are in touch with the Supreme, we are able to let go. We are just able to release the fears, the anxieties, the anger, the lust, the greed. We can just let it go and say, this is not me. This is not me. This is the modes of material nature. One who does not hate illumination, attachment, and delusion when they appear, nor long for them when they disappear, knowing that the modes alone are active. And how do we do that? Mamcheo vyavicharina bhakti yogena sevate sagunan samatichaitam brahma buyaya kalpatam. By being in touch with the Supreme, we can understand, oh, there's anger, there's anxiety, there's lust, but I don't have anything to do with these. Just like a clean bath that just washes them away. And whatever difficulty we are having, the chanting of Hare Krishna will always be victorious. So now that we've done some meditation on the Shikshastaka, we will now hear Prabhupada chanting the first verse of the Shikshastaka.
He was doing the proper thing. He felt he was. I mean, he said, you know, I'm, I don't want to kill my relatives. I want to honor my teachers. I want to protect the women. I, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to enjoy at the cost of, of my relatives. From his perspective, he was doing the right thing. Yes? I mean, it would, it would seem like that. I mean, part of the, the donkey urine bath problem is justifying actions that seem right but aren't really. 
they're not going to be grossly sinful actions like under the ropes of the thieves. You know, like we gave the example of you're giving more attention to rich, famous people than to humble devotees. So that's not some grossly sinful activity. And it even looks like it's a good thing. Well, I'm, I'm putting my attention to people who are leaders in society and will give more. But it's, it's wrong. Does that make sense? Wrong if you respect the humble devotees. It is not wrong that the activity of cultivating important people. Correct. Exactly. So, in a similar way, what Arjuna was saying to make sure the women were protected, to respect the elders, to tolerate the insults of others. I, I can't go back. Those are all good things. Everything Arjuna said that was a good thing was really a good thing. Yes? But he was misapplying it. So in the same way, the donkey urine bath can take something that's actually a good thing. It's not like it's actually bad. And misapply it in someone. Rationalize it in someone. That's why it's so difficult to detect. That's why trying to detect it just with your mind is, is not, doesn't work. You can't, you just can't figure it out. Does that make sense? Yes. Regarding today's class, like you said, we have a spiritual mind and spiritual senses. Yes. When we attain perfection and Goloka, I believe that we don't, I mean, the subtle senses, subtle body remains here. Our subtle body dissolves, yes. So we don't have the mind and the senses? We don't have, well, it's just, it's just like, um, you know, I was giving the example of, of people who have out-of-body or near-death experiences. When their subtle body goes out of their gross body, they can see, they can hear, they can smell, they can taste, they can touch, better than when they're in their gross body. When the soul is out of the subtle body, it can hear, it can see, it can smell, it can taste, it can touch, better than in the subtle body. The soul has its own mind and senses. Is that clear or not? Yeah, I think the soul, uh, when it ascends, uh, I mean, it goes to the spiritual planet. You have a spiritual body, or that soul itself is the body. Correct. The soul itself manifests its own body. It's not something separate to it. It's not, there's not a duality of soul and body or soul and mind. The soul has its own body and mind and senses that are itself. That when we're in conditioned life, that body and senses is dormant. It's like you have some plants that in the winter the plant dies down and you don't even see any plant above ground. There's just the root. And then in the spring it grows up again. So it was there, but it's not manifest. 
Uh, right now, the, in the, for a conditioned soul, the spiritual body and senses are, they're not manifesting there. They're sleeping, I could say. They're dormant. They're there. They're not, they're not active. Uh, the part also, you said perfection is uh, seeing yourself in the purified mind. Yes. I mean, seeing yourself in seeing the soul? Yes, seeing the soul. When Prabhupada gives the example, when the sun comes up, you can also see yourself. So when you're in the sun of Krishna, one of the things you can realize is yourself. One starts to realize not only am I a soul, but how am I a soul? In what relationship do I have with Krishna? What is my service to Krishna? One eventually realizes what is my real name, my real form, my real service, my real inclination. Hmm? Oh, it is gradual. It generally is gradual. It can be very gradual over many, many, many years. You know, if you have a very dirty mirror that has dirt encrusted on it, so you may be able to clean a little portion of the mirror and then you can see a little bit of your spiritual self. And as you clean more, gradually you can see more and more. Yes, even a very dirty mirror, if it's a little bit clean, you can see something else. Sometimes we think, I have to be completely pure to understand my spiritual nature. That's not true. Just like Haridas Thakur said that when the sun is rising, even before the sun has come over the horizon, you can start to see something. He said that that is liberation. You know, before the sun is risen, we cannot see color. We have cones and rods in our eyes and the, the cones which see color, they need a lot of light. So with just a little bit of light, we can see shapes, but we don't see color. But you can see shapes. You're seeing something. And as the sun gradually rises, you see things more and more and more clearly. So yes, one can see even... I mean, Prabhupada talks about the beginning realization of our spiritual nature happens at the end of Anartanivritti, which according to Madhurya Kanambani would mean about half of the Anartas are gone. So when about half, 40 to 50 percent of the Anartas, Prabhupada usually uses 50 percent of the Anartas are gone, one starts to become aware of one's spiritual nature and one's spiritual senses. And as one goes on in purification, that becomes more and more clear and more and more specific. What do you mean in practical, practical life? What do you mean being aware of One starts to be aware. I love Krishna as a coward boy, or I love Krishna as my child, or I love Krishna as my master. Or... I, I want to take care of Krishna's cows. And gradually one starts to become aware, oh, okay, I want to be Krishna's cowherd boyfriend and I really like Sridham. 
or I really like Subal, or I really like Ujvala, or I really like Madhumangal. You get a, there's a particular devotee that you start to resonate with. And then you start to understand. We may not go in this order. We're all different. Different people. But these are the things one will understand. What is my real name? How old am I? Am I the same age as Krishna? Am I younger? There are coward boys who are younger. There are coward boys who are older. What is my nature? Do I like to joke around with Krishna? Or am I very submissive? Do I, am I taking care of the cows or am I just playing games with Krishna? What service do I do? Bhaktivinoda talks about 11 items of our spiritual identity. So those gradually become revealed one after another. And in what order will be different for different people? What is my relationship? What is my form? What is my name? What group am I with? What service do I do? What room? Group. Oh, in group Yes, did you have a question? Yeah, you have to speak English loudly enough for me to hear you. Sí, aunque siempre va a haber Just do a piece piece and just say the English so I can hear you. Knowledge, spiritual knowledge cleanses, awakens the soul, the sleeping soul. Although we always have the tendency due to modes to what? We'll always have it because the Spanish habla clase por clase. The tendency to what? ¿Qué tendencia? We'll be influenced by the modes until we'll influence. Influence. Ella ha dicho tendencia, pero en inglés queda mejor. We'll be always influenced by the modes. No. Why? The body and the mind will always be influenced by the modes. But eventually you'll, you'll stop identifying with By practicing and applying knowledge? No, by realization of your spiritual nature. No, por medio de la realización de tu naturaleza espiritual. That, let's give a simple example. Vamos a ver un ejemplo sencillo. Suppose you're down by the beach. Imagínate que estás ahí abajo en la playa. And, and you're with your good friend. Con tus buena, con una buena amiga. Or a close family. O con tu familia. Person. And you're absorbed in talking to your friend or family member. Hablar a tu familia o a tu amiga. So you're walking on the, on the sidewalk. Estás caminando por la, el caminito que está al lado de la playa. So many other people are there tantas personas que pasean por allí talking to each other, se están hablando unos a otros in their bathing costumes, van vestidos con su bañador to music, lleva, están escuchando música on their roller skates, eh, están en sus tablas de patines you know they're there. sabes que están ahí you are aware that they are there. sabes 
es consciente de que están ahí. But you don't have anything to do with them. Pero no tienes nada que ver con ellos. They don't affect you. No te afecta su presencia. You just walk past them. Sino que sigues caminando y los dejas atrás. You don't. You don't love them and you don't hate them. Ni los amas ni los odias. I mean, you love them as souls. Les amas como almas que son. But you're not trying to enjoy them. Pero no estás intentando disfrutar de ellos. And you're not rejecting them. Y tampoco los estás rechazando. You, you're, you're, you have your own friend. Porque tienes a tu amiga al lado. And your own business. Y lo y cosas que hacer. Due to the strength that binds one to by friendship, the strength of friendship. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. We were with Krishna at some point. We were in the spiritual world. We had a relationship with Krishna. And we gave it up. How is possible that many devotees are working with this issue and you know this polarization of? I don't know if you want to talk about this issue. How is possible to get to this extreme? This question is asked three times in the Bhagavatam. Esta pregunta se hace tres veces en el Bhagavatam. How did we become conditioned? ¿Cómo no llegamos a ser condicionados? And the answer is always the same. Y la respuesta siempre es la misma. It's like seeing your own head es being cut off in a dream. Es que se te corta la cabeza en un sueño. This is a question that has to do with time and causality. Con el tiempo y la causa. Causalidad. But it's we're asking about a realm where there's no time and no causality. Estamos observando un tiempo que no hay un mundo que no hay ni tiempo ni causalidad. And so our ability to understand the answer to this question is not very great. La respuesta a esta pregunta no es muy grande. No tenemos mucha habilidad. And therefore we see that however people try to answer this question, por eso vemos que cuando la gente intenta people are not satisfied. Responder esta pregunta, la gente no se queda satisfecha. It doesn't matter how you try to answer this question. No importa cómo intentes contestar esta pregunta. People do not feel intellectually satisfied. No se sentirá intelectualmente satisfecha. And Prabhupada actually told us, "Don't argue about this question." I mean, Chil Prabhupada himself is very clear that our original situation is a relationship with Krishna. That our relationship with Krishna is eternal. It has no beginning. Now, was that an active relationship or a potential relationship? But there are some good brothers in the in the 
teachings of Bhakti Thakur that he said that we were never with Krishna, we were we coming from Brahma Jyoti. I have studied this and not found any such thing. <laughs> you didn't? I haven't found any anything definitive like that. But let's let's just look at some I, I think the question is was our original relationship active or potential? If you say there was no original relationship then we're saying that the ultimate truth is impersonal. There's no escape from that. So if anyone says we had no relationship with Krishna, even in terms of potentiality, they are saying that our original position is impersonal. There, there's no escape from that philosophical conclusion. Now, was our original relationship with Krishna active or potential? I don't know. And Prabhupada said it's not important to know. He said, don't argue about this. That, that we will understand when we realize it. One thing for sure, when we realize our eternal relationship, the experience is that it always existed. That's for sure. What do you mean by potential relationship? ¿Qué quiere decir relación en potencia? That it was in, inherent to the soul but not being exhibited. Que es algo inherente en el alma pero que no se había exhibido. Si vengo de esta situación, no estaría en el mundo espiritual teniendo una raza con Krishna, sino que estaría en el mundo Bueno, yo soy consciente de todo lo que dice. Pero try to get this very simple logic if we say that the jiva does not have a beginningless relationship with Krishna at least in a potential form then we are saying that the ultimate reality is impersonal do you understand that logic? there's there's, there's no two ways of looking at that no hay dos formas de mirar eso. So, our understanding is that we are eternal persons, somos personas eternas, without beginning and without end. Is that agreed? Esto estáis de acuerdo? Yes. Que somos personas sin principio ni fin, sí. Krishna says, never was there a time when you did not exist. And we understand that we existed as a person, as an individual. Everybody agree with me so far? Am I getting the Siddhanta right? 
So what does Krishna say in the chapter Shloke of the Bhagavatam? He says, anything that appears to be of value, if it doesn't have relationship to Krishna, has no reality. He says, know that to be my illusory energy, the reflection that appears to be in darkness. So Krishna says Maya is something that doesn't have a relationship with him, that appears not to have a relationship with him. Reality has a relationship with him. If we are each eternal persons, that personality, in order to be real, must have a relationship with Krishna. Does that make sense? Am I philosophically correct here? Did I take any wrong step? That, that's all. If I, if I am a beginningless person, that personness, the personhood, the personality must be understood in relationship to Krishna. Otherwise, Krishna says it's an illusion. So that tells me we all have some beginningless, specific. If it's not specific, it's not individual. I have a specific individual relationship with Krishna that has no beginning. So before I became conditioned, was I acting in that relationship or was it only in potential? I don't know. And it doesn't matter, and we shouldn't argue about it. When we revive it, our experience will be that it always existed, because it always existed. Now, if somebody wants to say that we had no beginningless relationship with Krishna in any way, <laughs> They are teaching We accept that Brahman is also the Lord, but we accept that Bhagavan is higher than Brahman. That Bhagavan is the ultimate Truth. That's our Gaudiya Vaishnava philosophy. If somebody wants to say that Brahman is ultimate truth, they are in a different system. So that's. As soon as somebody says, no, there was no relationship in any way, even in a dormant way, then they are saying we are not originally persons. Oh, okay, fine. But that's a different sampradaya. It's a different line. So, be honest. Así que que ser I'm following a different philosophy. Estoy una okay. Bueno, pues está bien. That's 
you have the right to aim for the Brahma Jyoti if you want to. That is available. Eso es algo que está accesible. But at least one has to say that we had a personal relationship with Krishna that was unmanifest. At least that has to manifest. I mean, I think Shiva Prabhupada is very clear on this point. Both directly and indirectly. If someone thinks Prabhupada is not very clear, Prabhupada said not to argue about it. So, as, a, as trying to be a good follower, I'm not going to argue about it. Does our personal relationship unchangeable? Nuestra relación personal es inamovible. Si llegamos a tener una realización de I, I think we ask this question and I hear this question a lot because we're thinking in terms of our material experience so the body I have now is due to my choices in previous lives but I got it and I don't like it some things I like about it I like some things about my body and my mind and my life and this life and other things I really don't like and I wish that they were different so we think it's going to be like that you know I'm going to have some situation and I'm going to go oh I didn't want this you know like in some communist countries like in China where they just assign your occupation you know well we don't have enough people to work in the gold mines so that's your job you know but I don't want to work in the gold mines you know I want to make jewelry no sorry that's what's so Krishna says even materially we should work according to our nature we shouldn't do someone else's nature don't you think that's going to be true also so our spiritual form our spiritual service is a manifestation of the desire of the soul what we become aware of is our own choice it's not that we become aware of something that's assigned to us we become aware of what our own tastes are, our own choice. Now again, materially, we think of a choice that I, I make it at a certain time. I made a choice at Thursday at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's very hard to think of this is a choice I've made without beginning. But it is. It's a, it's a choice that the soul is making. You're thinking in terms of time. It's not like that at all. It's always the present. So it's the choice the soul is always making now. It's, it's not, there's no force. If you think, as soon as you think about force, it's not spiritual anymore. The moment you think about force, spiritual is completely free. Our relationship with Krishna is the relationship I want to have with Krishna. But not what I want to have with my material intellect. 
It's not like with my material intellect, I'm thinking, well, the gopis are always crying, the coward boys have more fun, I think I want to be a coward boy, or the gopis are higher, I want to be the highest thing, so I want to be a gopi, or I always wanted to have children, I didn't have any, let me have Krishna's white child. It's not some intellectual thing. It's, it's the awakening of the taste of the soul. The soul wakes up and understands, oh, this is what I like. Now there are times that devotees as they're maturing in bhakti that part of their process may be in the awakening of their taste that there's some shift. Just like Lord Chaitanya preached to Ram Bhaktas who shifted to become Krishna Bhaktas. So there may be for some people and Prabhupada says you can go from Vaikuntha to Goloka. So there may be people who, who get some their, their taste is evolving. Keep in mind that the jiva can expand and that there are devotees who are in more than one lila, in more than one position. Krishna's, many of Krishna's cowherd boys are also monkeys in Ram lila and brahmanas in Chaitanya lila. You can be in Madhurya Bhav as a gopi with Krishna, and you can be in Dasya Bhav with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as a Brahmana. As in Dasya Bhav before Chaitanya. You can have more than one relationship simultaneously. I mean, we're not unlimited like Krishna, but the Jiva can expand and be in many places at once with many incarnations and many forms and many relationships. Whatever, in whatever way the soul desires to serve the Lord, that soul will manifest that relationship with the Lord. And there's no limit to that. But those desires are coming from the pure soul and the pure love. They're not coming from the material mind. And they're certainly not imposed by Krishna or anybody else. They're not assigned. They're, they're the... The, the welling up of the soul. Prabhupada's very clear about it. Prabhupada many times will say, you can choose according to your taste. And that, that's what starts to wake up as we clean the mirror of the mind, our spiritual taste. I mean, think about materially. You know, when we go from being a child to an adult, we gradually become aware of what we like to do. In this life, yeah. A newborn baby doesn't really have a sense of their personality. And gradually it manifests. I mean, that's a, that's a bad example, but it's some idea. Habla un poco más fuerte, para que te oigan. Gracias por esta análisis tan amplia y lógica. Tengo un comentario. 
las complejidades de esta creación, puede que no comprenda sí. todos los aspectos de la creación. Pero, estas preguntas se han hecho muchas veces y se han contestado por diferentes oradores. Bueno, that we really don't want to take responsibility for our condition. It seems inconceivable to me. I mean, I know I'm foolish. I do foolish things every day. Yes, does everybody do foolish things every day? Every day. Sometimes I do very foolish But I can't imagine I would do anything that foolish. No puedo imaginar cómo llegué a hacer algo tan necio. Why would I come to condition life if I already have a relationship? The concept that I could possibly make such a foolish choice challenges my arrogance to the point that I just cannot accept it intellectually. So wherever one says we came from, I think everyone agrees that it was the choice of the jiva, that it wasn't imposed by God. If it was imposed by God, I don't want anything to do with this God. If there's a God who says it, you get to be in the spiritual world, and you get to be in the material world. I don't like this God. No, thank you. Also, for me, if I want to love God, God must have given me a real choice. However, wherever, it had to have been a real choice. I had to have made that choice with knowledge and experience. If I didn't make that choice with knowledge and experience, there's something wrong with God. Personally, I would rather think there's something wrong with me than that there's something wrong with God. I'd much rather consider that I'm the fool than that he's whimsical and cruel. Another way I explain this, which I think may help a little bit intellectually, is nobody comes to the material world directly to a human form in Kali Yuga, unless you're of you know, a pure devotee, Nichisida, and you come here to preach. But no one, no one falls directly to the earth planet in Kali You know, when you're a human in Kali Yuga, life is pretty miserable. Prabhupada says our first birth in the material world is as Lord Brahma. Lord Brahma basically doesn't suffer. He has some anxiety about the material creation, but he really is not suffering. He's seeing the Lord face to face. He's doing devotional service. His body is almost spiritual. 
And I'm sure many jivas, as Lord Brahma say, okay, that's enough. Let's be in the spiritual world. And others say, that's not that bad. I get to be the god of a universe and I also get to be doing devotional service. For me, the example in the Bhagavatam is that of Daksha. So Daksha is the direct son of Lord Brahma. He didn't take birth. He's one of the chief brahmanas in the universe. But he offends Shiva. He gets to see the Lord face to face. You know, his work in the material world is a service. But he offends Shiva. Because of that offense against Shiva, he has to take birth. He has to be in the womb of a woman, he has to take birth. And instead of being in a Brahman, as a Brahmana, he's in a Kshatriya family, as the Chaitas. But his parents are pure devotees. In that life, he sees Vishnu face to face, even experiences Baba. In that life, he offends Narada Muni. Then we don't hear about him anymore. So I see our conditioned life is very, it's a very gradual, gradual form. I think of it like, if you're, if you're born in a very wealthy family, you're healthy, everything, and you're told, don't drink alcohol. Bad for you, don't drink So one day you're curious and you drink alcohol. And you might go, that's disgusting and you never drink it again. Or you might drink it and say, you know, that's not so bad. I feel a little happy, I feel a little relaxed. Why did everybody say it was so bad? And gradually, 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 you end up a drunk in the street lying in your vomit. But that doesn't happen in one day. It's not like you drink one cup of beer and the next moment you're an alcoholic. So this birth in Kali Yuga, no, it's not like we went from our spiritual situation, whatever it was, See this. We would never do that. Nobody would ever do that. Nobody would ever leave a spiritual situation, whatever it was, wherever it was, however it was. We would never have left the spiritual situation for this. Nobody would ever leave, you know, some wealthy, sophisticated, educated family to lie in their vomit in the gutter. How does it happen? But it happens, yeah? And it happens due to a series of choices. And each choice doesn't seem like a big deal from where you were before. We see this even now. You know, somebody, oh, well, they just chant 12 rounds now. And they don't follow a codice. And then they start eating things that have eggs in them. And then one day there's eggs in their house. After a while, they're only coming to Janmashtami. Then they're only coming to Rathiyatra. And then their children had a swim competition, so they didn't even come to Rathiyatra. And pretty soon they have nothing. That didn't happen in one day. And each step, oh, I only chanted 15 hours a day. Oh, 
Also, a kind of quinta rondas. Oh, I ate bread on the calisi. Yeah, but it's not a big pan in the calisi. And just one step, one step seems very small. And then all of a sudden, when you look all the way back up at the top, and you say, How did I do that? I would never have done that. Nunca había hecho esto. Must have been something wrong with Krishna. Must have been something wrong with spirituality if I gave it up. Can't possibly be my fault. So I really think our intellectual problems come from this. If we just, we don't need to know the details. If we just accept it's my choice, I'm at fault, I messed up. Accepting that means that I have the ability to do something about it. And by the way, we are making this choice not in some distant past, but right now. Prabhupada said, if I surrender to Krishna, I can become Krishna conscious in a moment. And he says, Krishna is giving me the choice 24 hours imperceptibly. So, I am making the choice to be in illusion or Krishna consciousness at every moment. And I'm convinced that when we become fully Krishna conscious, we will understand all of this. I'm also convinced we'll never be able to explain it properly to people who are not Krishna. It's something that doesn't seem to be able to be fully communicated by those who realize it and those who don't. I think it's just one of those things. That we can talk about it, we can explain it up to a point, we can you know, understand something logically, philosophically, but we come to a point until we've really developed humility and realization that we just don't get. So it is after 9.30, I really was trying to stop by 9.00. So I think we should start now and take Krishna Prasadam, which is something we can all agree about. <laughs> you can continue talking for a thousand years as you like, but for the rest of us, I think we will go take Prasadam. Hi, Krishna.